Come Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence among us this morning. We invite um, you and all of your grace, your mercy, your love, and your power um, to open our eyes, to help us to hear your voice, to see your face, um, and fill our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Help me. Help me. Help me. Those words um, are probably the most common, universal, and primal prayers um, ever spoken in the doctor's office after receiving a diagnosis, in the middle of the night from an exhausted parent holding their newborn, before an important exam, before a hard conversation, in the darkness of depression and anxiety. We see it written on cardboard signs by someone sitting on the sidewalk. Those were the first words that popped into my head this morning when I woke up, help me. That along with, Lord, have mercy. Kyrie eleison, that ancient prayer, Lord, have mercy. You know, whenever there's yet another shooting death or a natural disaster. And these words are common because who has not experienced that feeling of helplessness, just utter helplessness, of being overwhelmed, of not knowing what to do or who to turn to? All of us at some point have felt this, right? Because it arises from the very depths of our being. That's what makes it very primal as well. The deepest parts of who we are that are just scared. You know, when our defenses are down, when that armor that we normally wear to protect ourselves is off, you know, when we allow them to, these prayers become our very breath. And it's these two cries, help me, and Lord have mercy that lie at the heart of our gospel story from a mother, a Canaanite woman, Matthew tells us, whose daughter is suffering, as she says, tormented by a demon. Now, before I go any further, um, I have to state the obvious about this story. And that is that Jesus's response, as we hear, um, to this mother is troubling. So first of all, he's silent. And then when his disciples tell him to send her away, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And when she kneels before him and says, help me, he says, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Dog was a term that was used to refer to Gentiles, and it was no more favorable in the first century than it would be today. And one of the larger narratives of scripture is what our Old Testament reading said this morning. You know, my house shall be a house of all nations, a house of prayer for all nations. Any foreign who binds themselves to me, I will make joyful. You know, again and again in the gospels, Jesus is always for the outsider, the rejected ones. He's often seen praising their faith. And just a few chapters earlier in the gospel of Matthew, he is gladly healing a Roman centurion's servant. And so his behavior and his words here are perplexing. It's very non-Jesus-like. 
And there's all these different interpretations that try to explain why he's acting like this. So some say, well, Jesus, he wasn't really meaning what he was saying, but he was saying what he thought the disciples and the Pharisees were thinking. And this well, he and this woman are sort of teasing and bantering, and she's playing along with him to make a point for their sake. You know, others would say that Jesus himself needed to be changed, you know, that his view was very narrow about his mission. And it was this woman who helped him to expand his vision beyond Israel to the nations. So there's just like a bunch of different interpretations out there. So my own view is basically, I don't know, I don't know. And, um, you know, all of them are possible and they're all unsatisfactory at the same time. So you can come to your own conclusions about this passage. But for me... The focus of this passage and the beating heart of the story is actually not Jesus. It's this Canaanite woman, this mother, and her love for her daughter. This mother who is crying out on behalf of her daughter who is suffering. Help me. Lord, have mercy. And with each of her cries and with each of her response, of Jesus' responses, this mother will not let go. So um, my husband, Jimmy, that many of you know, he used to be the executive director of a nonprofit called Restore NYC. And this is a, an organization that serves women who have been sex trafficked internationally into New York City. And so years ago, they did a study on the women that they served. And they found that over 70% of the women that they served were mothers. And they realized then that mothers were often more vulnerable to being trafficked. Why? Because there is nothing that a mother wouldn't do for her child to protect them, to give them a chance at life. That is a mother's love. And maybe this mother was remembering back to that first moment when she felt her daughter kick in her womb, growing there. And maybe she's remembering that moment of delivery when she cried out in labor and she pushed that little life out into the world. What it was like to hold her for the very first time, to look into those eyes that were so pure and so innocent, looking back into hers and how utterly unique she was, every little finger. There is no one in the world like this child. And now all she can see as she looks at her daughter is this haunted look in those eyes and a darkness that has taken hold of her that is not her because she knows it is not her for she's looked into those eyes many many times before and she's seen the true her the her that god created and intended her to be with all the hopefulness and fullness of possibility that still lies before her and so if you were that mother and you knew that there was something that could be done, someone who could help, someone who's done this before, what would you not do on behalf of your daughter? And so she cries out and she screams and she shouts and she falls to the ground in front of Jesus. And in that time, you don't approach a holy man in such a manner, especially if you were a woman. To ask for help is not a sign of weakness. You know, just ask anyone who's ever walked into an AA meeting. It is not a sign of weakness. 
But the cry for help is actually one of the bravest things that a person can do. You know, bravest things that we can do for ourselves and for others. And what we do in that cry is we're saying that this situation as it stands is not okay and I will not resign myself to stay in this place. I will not resign myself to say that this is just how things, I guess, are gonna have to be. But I cannot go it alone and I need help. So help me. It's our breath prayer, you know, individually and collectively that rises from the depths of our being, that deepest and truest part of who we are, our souls, that knows that we were created for more, that our daughters and our sons and your daughters and your sons were created for more and that we were created not to go it alone, but together, that I need you and you need me and that our destinies are inextricable inextricably woven together. When it seemed like that help was not forthcoming, this mother would not let go for love. And she took that statement of Jesus about dogs and she used it to push back and she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And however you read or feel about this troubling story, this mother grasps what others cannot then and now, that there is more than enough at the table. There is more than enough for her, for her daughter, and for all others who suffer and are tormented and are beaten down and ignored and silenced, and she will not let go until they are freed and fed. So I recently um, listened to this powerful TED Talk um, by Valerie Kaur, who is a, a Sikh uh, civil rights activist and lawyer and filmmaker. And I just encourage you to watch it. I, I like cried through the whole thing. And she lives and preaches the message of Jesus better than most Christians do, to be frank. And she talks about this darkness in our world, this rage in our world, the hatred, the injustice, the oppression, the polarization, this particular moment in time. And she says, the mother in me asks, what if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if our future is not dead, but still waiting to be born? What if this is our great transition? Remember the wisdom of the midwife. Breathe, she says, and then push. Breathe and then push. Because if we don't push, we will die. And if we don't breathe, we will die. And so this mother and we breathe and then we push. And I love that image of a midwife helping a mother give birth to her child by saying push. You know, a breath prayer is literally a prayer that you pray in rhythm with your breath. You know, the Hebrew word for breath is the same word as the spirit, as wind. It's a spirit of God that is praying in us in that deepest part of who we are. You know, one of the most famous breath prayers, um, it's a very ancient prayer called the Jesus Prayer. And it just goes, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. It's the prayer of blind Bartimaeus. It's the prayer of this mother. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Help me. 
Come, Holy Spirit. That's what the Spirit prays in us and through us. God, I need you. God, give me strength. God, give me courage. And that same Spirit enables us to not just breathe that in, but then as we breathe out, to push through with strength and courage through the darkness, to fight and to act, to do what love calls us to do, to face whatever challenges may be ahead of us, to give birth and life and hope and newness and peace to our world. And so whatever you may be at this morning, whatever darkness you may be facing, the darkness of our world, I would just encourage us this morning to breathe and then to push, just like this mother, to breathe those prayers of help and healing and wholeness and to push out and breathe that health and healing and wholeness into our world. And so would you join me in praying now? God, we come before you um, this morning and there is um, just a lot that we don't understand, um, a lot that we wrestle with, a lot that we struggle with, a lot that we don't know. And Lord, we come to you in the, from the depths of what it is that each of us are going through individually, what we're going through communally, what we're going through in our world today. God, the world is dark. And yet, God, as the psalmist says, we know that the darkness is not dark to you. It's like light. And you can see into this darkness. The darkness has not overcome the light. And so, God, we pray this morning, by your grace, by your spirit, would you help us to breathe, Lord, to breathe those prayers as we cry out to you, the God of the universe. Lord, as we breathe in your life and breathe in your spirit, Lord, we pray that as we breathe out, would you help us to push, Lord, that as creation is groaning like a woman in labor, Lord, that we join you, the creator God, the redeemer God, in giving birth to this life, God, the kingdom, the kingdom of God, Lord, coming into this world, Lord. And would you help us, God, not to grow faint or grow weary or discouraged, to not allow the darkness and the hatred to overcome us, but Lord, that as you have said that you have overcome the world. And so, God, we join you. Lord, in breathing these prayers, Lord, in pushing out this life into our world. In the name of Jesus, help us, and Lord, have mercy. Amen.